about your own personal contact with the different artists because in my experience sometimes I have a really direct uh, contact with the artist and you can really get into how they're feeling and have a relationship and sometimes you just show up at the studio and do the record and leave so I'm sure everybody wants to hear you talk a little bit about your your work with Prince. I moved here in 1988 I knew there was a Prince in town and I knew several players from my big band that would call last minute because they were returning with Prince that I need to get subs for. So that's what, that was my relationship to that music. I completely missed the boat. I didn't know anything about his music and I we just lived a parallel life. When uh, Claire Fisher passed away, shortly after that, he, he did all the string arranging for him. Right. Mike Nelson, that is the been leader and arranger for the Hornheads uh, was a friend of mine and one of the players that I collaborated with over the years uh, forwarded me a text that Prince sent him looking for a string arranger to keep the Fisher legacy and I'm going yes. why are you calling me I mean these are huge shoes and he says I called you because I think you can do it and that's how it started. I mean, months went by without hearing anything. And one day a track showed up in my text, you know? So he said, uh, did you hear it? I said, yeah. Uh, can we go in the studio on Monday? And I had to rearrange my life and make it work. And uh, that's how it started. Nice. Um, the first couple of sessions were uh, at Paisley Park, which I didn't even know at the time that Prince was actually living there. So when I got instructions like, don't go to this area, I thought, okay, somebody's micromanaging musicians, but I needed a place to set down my parts and make a couple revisions. So I'm going to find a flat surface. Mm -hmm. I wander, wandered around, found a flat surface somewhere, started working, and I see a silhouette of somebody very familiar coming towards me, and that was Prince. And he says, uh, excuse me? I said, yeah, I'm sorry, I, uh, am I sitting alone? Are you looking for a place to work? I said, yeah, let me show you uh, an office. And I introduced myself, he took me to an office and th those are the words I exchanged with him. Then I did uh, the couple sessions at Paisley. Right. He got really, really excited about, about working with strings because it's the first time that he was actually present in one of those sessions. Right. Once he was present, he wanted strings on everything. So we were working on so many different songs, but it started pretty late. We, it was 2013 when we started working with him and he passed in 2016. Yes. Two months after the last track we recorded for him. Wow. Well, I've loved his music since, since the very first record he ever did, which was brought, brought over to England, you know, sort of under somebody's, have you heard this thing? And um there's very very little interviews with him when they are i really value them because it's very you get a little bit of an insight into how brilliant he was and and how he's it seemed to me that he was always choosing his words very carefully 
some interviews, he didn't say anything because he thought the person interviewing him was an idiot. And you can tell that. But but sometimes he was very, very articulate. Uh, tell me something about how you, not, not as a musician, but just as a guy to talk to, uh, how, how you would would describe his personality. Well, again, I... I've seen him once, actually I've seen him twice, but uh, uh, he was present in one of the sessions. Yeah. I was in the room with the strings and he was in the booth. And only when we uh, finished the session with the strings and we recorded the harp, I was in the booth realizing that he took so much um, joy of that session. Yes. Um, that session took place when the Minnesota Orchestra was on a strike for 14 months and it was really devastating for a lot of these musicians and the fact that we were able to use a lot of these players for these sessions, uh, we were blessed and they were happy to do the work, but Prince was very, very vocal about, about using live musicians and how much he loved working with, with live musicians and yeah. string particular and that's that was the uh, the moment that he basically declared that he's going to hire us a lot so how did your relationship with Baccarat come about again um you know sometimes you meet one person that um takes what you do serious and opens a lot of doors I mentioned Michael Baker earlier Michael was uh, Whitney Houston's musical director he is the guy that invited me to work with Aretha Franklin, and that was a more continuous relationship. Um, in 2009, uh, Michael produced a record. I don't know exactly what the relationship was, but uh, Bert Bacharach wrote several tunes for an artist in Italy. And he wrote uh, one string arrangement and didn't have time to do couple other it was actually strings and couple french horns i, I remember M michael gave him my phone number it was the most beautiful two weeks because we had a lot of interactions and kind of calling each other asking questions mm. i remember one conversation with uh with bert where I didn't think much about it, but I heard from Michael later on, um, Bert asked me, you know, I wrote in that measure C add nine over E. And I noticed that you changed the chord symbol to C two over E. To me, it's the same chord. What, why, why did you not use C add nine? He said, well, um, I'm very uh, traditional in my beliefs in, in balance and harmony. And to me, C add nine means C major adding the ninth, right? When you have it over the third, that means that you have the third double. You, you have it in the chord and you have it in the bass. If you omit the third from the chord, then you have it in the bass. The chord will, to me, to my ears, will balance better. Right. And he says, hold on one second. He goes to the piano. He plays those two chords and says, I'd be darn, you know, yeah. and you no, know, this is a phone call, so I, I couldn't really see. And, you know, when we moved on, talked about something else. And then Michael told me, hey, Bert told me that you actually learned something from you, which is such a, 
And, and and I gotta say that that very thing, it's so great to hear you say that because I really into that as well. And the reason why I believe that is her Pomeroy. Now, I, I don't know, what, what years were you at Berkeley? I, I not only studied with her, but I actually got an opportunity to write for his professional band. Oh, fantastic. Well, Herb said that in one of the classes. He was saying, look, you know, doubling the, I mean, he said it in his own way. He said, doubling the third sounds like crap. Yeah. I could talk about her Pomeroy forever because taking his classes was just, the, that was the thing I always tell people. Her Pomeroy is the guy who made me into a real musician. And I, I got to study with fantastic people. I mean, you know, they were all just wonderful. And I, I think, what years were you at Berkeley? Uh, 83 to 86. Well, man, that's why, because, you know, you were there a lot. I was there 71 to 75. And what I love about something you said earlier about, you know, that when you had started, you had some very set ideas about what's right and wrong. When I was studying with Herb, you know, I was writing like crazy and, he never told us to write in a style or in a specific he just said use these techniques correctly because you know i mean i took all the line writing classes with and the the duke ellington courses he said just use the techniques write your what you want to write but do it in in a in a way that is technically hip and and man it was just so great to have that freedom and yet the restriction of saying okay let's do it this way so i so i liked what you said earlier about that but to this day you know i'm using uh, several uh, guidelines from the line writing in oh. every kind of writing that i do including string writing and just you know the, also the thing about you and i are the kinds of people who if somebody tells us to show up for a session and the session starts at 10 o'clock we're there at nine you know, and, and it's done, you know, and, you know, you might have a couple of little things you want to check, but it's done. But that I got from Herb too. I could, ask, let me ask you about, did you have any personal content with Whitney? Yeah. It's interesting because, uh, I was an outsider. I was the guy that did the charts and, uh, in 2004, um they were doing a tour in europe um with um dion warwick and natalie cole and michael hired me to do the arrangements and the the plan was to have an orchestra in europe so i wrote the charts for the band and then i expanded it with um, horns and strings so i was there at the rehearsal but i was most of the time in a different room uh, doing doing the writing and so i wasn't really playing with the band something happened and the orchestra got canceled and michael asked me to to join as as a third keyboard and play a lot of these uh parts from a third keyboard so that's when i became uh part of the group and um my interaction with uh, whitney was very minimal but um you know, she didn't spend a lot of time with the band. She came to maybe one rehearsal, sometimes sound check, but most of the time it was on stage. Uh, nice conversations and stuff, but I didn't really feel like we were close in any way. It was, uh... sure. sure. Well, that's that's often the way with 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 big artists, and uh, um, 
especially, you know, from what I've heard from other people who, who have worked with her, she was pretty much show up, sing, leave, you know, a lot of times. And a lot of artists are like that. I'm, I'm interested in the song Black Is that you did, because mm -hmm. Jeremy Lubbock had done the rest of the arrangement. I mean, and so what did you arrange, the rhythm part? No, uh, actually, um, I've done a record in town for a singer by the name of Dennis Spears. And Dennis wanted a lot of different configurations and he had uh, backing and stuff. And I felt like, you know, if I, if I do the arranging, I wanna kind of concentrate on the arranging and not, not be spreading my head too thin and stuff. I brought over um, Bob Friedman that was one of my uh, teachers at Berkeley as a producer. Bob at, the, at that time was uh, retired from Berkeley. And his ex experience was uh, Broadway, and uh, he did he'd done a lot of uh, different projects. And most of the stuff that Dennis was going to do was uh, covers. And um, Bob asked about original tunes. I put him in touch with a songwriter friend of mine. And one of the songs that she submitted was Black Is. And um, when he heard that tune, he said, we're definitely recording it, uh, that tune. And he took me aside after that and he says, listen, by the way, Bob was um, Lena Horne's musical director at some point. Right, right. So he said, if Lena ever hears that song, it's going to be on our next CD. I have no doubt she's going to snatch that song. I said, wow, sounds great. He said, well, it doesn't mean that you're going to be doing anything on that, but, uh, but I'll send her the song. I forgot all about it, but six months later, uh, Je um, uh, Sherman Sneed, her manager, called me and said, you know, we got uh, your number from Bob Friedman. You were the one who did the arrangement for the singer. And I said, yeah, uh, Lena loved your arrangement and she wants to use you for arranging that song. So it was one song that I was asked to do for the, for the record. Um, I went to the session in New York, Jeremy conducted it, and it um, was just a, a blessing to be part of this. Right, so you arranged it and Jeremy conducted it? Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic, yeah, it that's was, great. It was out of this world, that experience, you know, I was much younger at the time and I felt like, yeah, this. Right, <laughs> right. well, that, that would have been certainly, uh, again, there's certain musicians who, when you're younger, you hear and you just think that's, you know, that's way up there and I'll never have anything to, you know, and, and Jeremy Lubbock was always more than a hero. You know, he was kind of like some, some celestial God sitting up in the, in the land of beautiful music. And, and yet to, to actually get to uh, meet him and talk to him and hang out with him. I mean, he was just the greatest guy as you've seen in my interviews with him, but yeah, yeah. Um, my experience was that I was so fortunate that I wrote yeah. I, I wrote the arrangement before I knew it was the producer because I would be so unbelievably intimidated. Yes, and yes, yes. You, yeah, he's he's that good. He was yeah. Yeah. fantastic to work yeah. with. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just you know I'm actually grateful that I got to uh, interview him so intimately uh, about what we do and what he does because it's a fantastic record for musicians of a real a unique artist and how he elevated everything that he did 
above the level of a piece of commercial work to the point of high art, no matter what it was. And also his fantastic enthusiasm for everything. And that's the thing. I mean, people, I'm sure you feel the same way. To be standing in a room full of fantastic musicians and having written some stuff in the dark, lonely room, you know, with little dots, and then to hear this magnificent sound, you know, you know, it's like seeing your newborn baby, you know, it's, it's just a fantastic thing. And he felt that so much, so deeply. And, and uh, so that was, that was a, that was a great thing. He was also a good defender of, of his craft because, uh, you know, sometimes in certain project, I believe uh, he did more than the calling was. And yes, and he insisted in, in doing that. You know. What was the most difficult session you've ever had to do? Oh, no, no question. Aretha Franklin's first session was uh, so damn happy. It turned out a good story, but uh, it was the most difficult session. Again, I was hired to do the arrangement. And that's all I knew about it. And I got a call from the A&R of Arista Record and says, well, I, you're supposed to be working on this arrangement. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I said, I, who do I send it to? And he says, send it to, you're supposed to put the session together. I said, okay, Michael didn't tell me that. Okay. Michael was in Italy at the time. And I said, let me call him. I called Michael and I said, they tell me that I'm supposed to put the session together. He says, oh yeah, can you? I said, okay, let me make some calls. So I called a contractor in New York and um, put the session together. Um, I did one interaction with, with her uh, road band previously and knew the instrumentation in, for her road band. And when they send me the arrangement I thought that I'm sending it to her musical director for that kind of instrumentation. She wanted strings. I wrote strings and horns. So we, we get to the session. Michael couldn't make the session. He produced it from Italy via satellite. Aretha was in Detroit. I was in New York. Oh. And we're just starting. Apparently, she was listening to the process on, on her phone. And she wanted revisions right away. She changed the intro and I was so green. I didn't even prep myself to get there with some staff paper. It was like finale copied parts and, and that's it. Mm. And when she wanted revisions, they had to kind of scribble it into, in the music. I had yeah, yeah, I've been there. 30 musicians and she was asking for certain parts, certain notes, and it was stepping all over what I was doing. We somehow get to the end of the evening and I'm going, I'm, I'm so fired, this is not even funny. <laughs> and uh, the A&R comes to me as <clears throat> well. Um, I think it went well. I said, if, if I leave now with what we just did, you're gonna throw everything away. He says, what do you mean? I said, everything steps on everything else. It just, it doesn't gel at all. What do you suggest? I said, I suggest you keep me another day and we'll just do edit session tomorrow and put it back together. Nice. So we did that. 
And uh, he showed up towards the end of that session. He heard it and he said, oh, this is really good. Let me play it for her. And he takes the phone and he plays it over the phone and leaves the room. We continued working for 20 more minutes. Then he comes back and asks me, um, can you go to Detroit tomorrow to mix it with Miss Franklin? I said, uh, she doesn't know who I am. And he says, uh, well, she knows now. I, the reason I said that, uh, Michael is the guy that got the call to do the arranging. Michael calls me and he wasn't, wasn't even in the session. Right. So somehow she had to get the idea that I'm involved in that. Yeah. So, so then I went to New York, uh, to, to Detroit the next day. And uh, in the process of mixing the session and having the three of us sit next to the console, Mm. to kind of know each other and exchange phone numbers and uh, that started a whole extended relationship with uh, phone calls and other arranging that I've done for her for the next three years it ended up really really good but uh, the session was a nightmare <laughs> yeah yeah no I that's a that's a great story and just as a matter of interest was H.B. Barnum not involved at that point H.B. was I thought HB was involved and and I wrote it basically for him. Yes. And I thought he was going to be in the session and, and all that. Apparently right. she was keeping him just for the live thing. Right, and, I see. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now you're a great player, you're a great writer. Would you like to play us something? My playing is Your playing is legendary, right? No, my playing is <laughs> is supporting uh, stage for my writing. I really never yeah, I, practice playing and stuff like that. But that's okay. I, I play a little jazz and stuff. Just just have some fun and 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 play us something nice that that people will enjoy. And uh, okay. here we are in a jazz gig. What do you want to play? I don't know. What do you want to play? Um, so you call it too. All the things you are. Okay.
Beautiful. Something like that. Yeah, baby. Well, let's do the gig right here. All right. Yeah, we, we, we must play sometime. That would be fun. I would love that. I would love yeah. that. I want to say thank you to Adi for, for showing up here and telling us wonderful stories in entertaining us with some groovy jazz piano. And uh, I'm so, so grateful that we got to know each other and uh, we're going to hang out soon. I hope so. Adi Ishaya, you are the man. Thank you, Richard. That was great. Thanks. Radio Richard! Yeah.